Please do sit down. If you want to uh, turn to that passage that we read earlier on, it's page 1002, and I'm, I'm going to mention it, uh, refer to it later on. Page 1002, Mark chapter 2. As Matt said, a real welcome to those of you who've been doing Alpha. It's really good to see you. We've been having fun, and we've been eating too much chocolate, that kind of thing. You know, one of the questions that people, one of the questions that people ask is about Christianity is, is it true? Is it true? It's a great question. And my answer to that is, if you're asking that question, then look at Jesus. Look at his life. There is nobody like Jesus. Nobody. There is the extraordinary teaching, these amazing things that he said. There are amazing things that he did. But also there's something about the way his life hangs together. So that what he said was matched by the kind of person that he was. One of the things Jesus said was, love your enemies. Some of us find it difficult to love our neighbors. Some of us find it difficult to love our families. But to love your enemies. That's a remarkable thing to say, isn't it? It's one thing to say something like that. It's another thing to live that out, and Jesus did. And so there are those words of Jesus as he's dying on the cross, and he turns to those people who put him there and says, Father, forgive them. His life matched his words. And there was something extraordinary about Jesus that inspired in some people adoration, wonder, amazement, even a kind of fear. There was something different about Jesus, something that made them recognize the distance between who they were and the kind of person that Jesus was. There's a story of the followers of Jesus. They were fishermen and they'd been out fishing and they'd not been successful. They obviously hadn't had the right training or something, but anyway, they hadn't caught any fish. And Jesus is on the shore when they get back and Jesus wasn't a fisherman. He was brought up as a carpenter. Clearly carpenters know nothing about fishing. But when they, these men get back from their fishing trip, having caught nothing, Jesus says to them, I want you to go back out, and if you throw your nets over the other side, you'll catch fish. And they do. They have this remarkable catch of fish. And when they get back to the shore and haul the fish up, Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, goes to Jesus, and he falls on his knees and says, go away from me, because I'm a sinful person. I, I just recognize there's a depth of purity. There's something of God about you that's so different from me. Jesus inspired that kind of reaction. He inspired the kind of response where people gave their lives to him and followed him. But at the same time, 
he generated the most extraordinary hostility, which is remarkable, isn't it? Because he goes around healing people. He tells people to love their enemies. He says these amazing things, and yet people turned against him. So if you want to know if Christianity is true, I would say, look at Jesus. Look at his life. And then look at his death. Because Jesus didn't just say extraordinary things. He didn't just give this level of teaching that was quite stunning. He also did something. He died. And that wasn't merely a gesture a grand demonstration. I'm going to die for you to show how much God loves you. Jesus' death did something. The Bible says this, God was in Christ, that is in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. Another writer put it like this, it's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The death of Jesus makes it possible for us to be forgiven, to have a relationship with God, to know God as our Father. Is Christianity true? Well, look at the life of Jesus. Look at the death of Jesus. And look at the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus demonstrates that everything Jesus said about himself, everything that he said about who God was, about how you could have a relationship with God, all of that was true. But the resurrection also is the beginning of a new era for human beings. The resurrection demonstrates that this is a new period where death has been conquered, where sin has been dealt with. Is Christianity true? Look at Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. So we ask that question, many of us, is Christianity true? But there's another question that many people ask, and that's, is it real? It may be true, but is this for me? Is this really something that will change my life? Is this for me? And some of you may be asking that question. Is this for me? And the answer to that question is the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday, when we remember the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out, where God, the Spirit of God, came. And the pouring out of the Spirit, the coming of the Spirit of God, He comes to make what Jesus did real for us. What I mean by that is that it's now possible for anybody, whoever they are, to experience a relationship with God because of what Jesus did in his death and through his resurrection. It means that whatever background you're from, whatever religious background you've come from, whether you're a good person or you don't think of yourself as good at all, whether you see yourself as religious or not, whether you're young or whether you're old, 
whatever your ethnic background, the coming of the Holy Spirit means that anybody can have a relationship with God as their Father where they're forgiven, where they begin a new life, where they've been set free. Peter, one of the first followers of Jesus on the day of Pentecost, stands up and says, this is for everyone. It's for you, it's for the next generation, it's for the next generation after that. It's for everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is, they will experience the results of what Jesus has done because of the Holy Spirit. So, is Christianity true? Well, have a look at Jesus. Is Christianity real? The answer is that the Holy Spirit has been given so that you and I, whoever we are, whatever our background, we can experience a relationship with God where we're forgiven, where the past is dealt with. And something new begins. A new spiritual life begins. But you may be asking the question, if a new era begins with the resurrection of Jesus, and if the pouring out of the Holy Spirit means that anyone can now have a new relationship with God, a forgiveness, become part of this new era, why is there so much suffering around? Why is there so much illness? Why is there so much pain and sadness in the world? Jesus did extraordinary things. He healed people. He even raised them from the dead. So why is there all this suffering, even amongst people who are followers of Jesus? Followers of Jesus fall ill, sometimes terribly ill. People die. Why? If a new era has begun, why? And so I want to ask the question this morning, does God still heal today? Can we expect to see evidence of God at work of that new era breaking in here and now? And the answer is yes. I want, I want you, you to, I want to say that there are two different kinds of healing. There's what I want to call spiritual healing, and then there's what I'm going to call physical healing. Let's think about spiritual healing. Have a look, would you, if you want to turn to it, it's on page 1002 of the story of the man who comes through the roof. Here's this paralyzed man and his friends have heard about Jesus and they've heard that Jesus has been healing people and so they decide they're going to take the man, their friend, to Jesus and ask him to heal him. And when they get to this little house, it's packed with people. People are listening to Jesus. Jesus is inside teaching and they can't get in. And so they do what every Willoughby person would do when it's like that. If you can't get in through the front door, you go in through the roof, don't you? That's the kind of thing that we do. And so I want you to imagine, here's this packed room and Jesus is teaching. And he's a fantastic teacher. He has them absolutely glued in their attention to him. And then there's this scraping noise from above. But, but Jesus still has them. And then the noise gets worse. And then there are bits of the ceiling start to fall down. And there are bits of plaster start to fall. And, 
There are some people on the front row who are underneath and they start rubbing their head, but Jesus still has them. And then more plaster comes down and then other things begin to fall down and some things begin to fall down. You're not quite sure what they are, but they don't look very good. And, and gradually your eyes are drawn to the roof because you think, I don't know what's going to happen here. And then you see daylight beginning to appear. And then gradually this, this hole appears. And at that point, I guarantee that Jesus has lost them. I know he was good. But I think at that point, everybody's looking up. Some of them are looking up, wondering if the roof's going to collapse on them. Others are wondering, what is all that about? And then, not just the sky that you see through the roof, but there's this man appears and these faces of the friends who are letting him down and you're thinking, my goodness me. And this man lands at the front as Jesus is speaking. And he's just into his third point, you know. But he never gets to finish it. I know he doesn't say that. but So here's this paralyzed man. And you're sitting there. And you look at this man and you think, I wonder why he's here. Why did they go to so much trouble to get him here. Could it be that he's struggling with his tax returns? I don't think you'd be thinking that, would you? Jesus has a reputation for healing people and he is a paralyzed man in a desperate situation. And Jesus looks at the, this man at his feet and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus saw what nobody else saw. Jesus could see into the heart of this man. And Jesus knew that even if he'd been healed, or if he'd been healed, and Jesus is going to do that, but that issue in his heart, the issue of the need for forgiveness if that wasn't dealt with, he might well walk out of there happy that he could now get around. But that need for forgiveness would eat away at him and eventually destroy him. I don't know what was going on. I, I, I have a couple of ideas. It may well be that uh, the man had been doing a break and entry job to his neighbor down the street and uh, he'd misjudged it and fallen out of the window and been paralyzed. I don't know. But there was something and this man needed forgiveness. Nobody else saw that, but Jesus did. Here's the thing. The greatest need that all of us have is for forgiveness. To have our relationship with God put right. For those things that we've done where we've hurt, upset, or sometimes even badly damaged the lives of others because of the way that we've been behaved. And in doing that, we've offended God as well because He cares about everybody. We need to be forgiven. And Jesus turns to this man and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
And then at the end of the story, he says, I want you to know that I have authority to forgive sins. And so he says, get up and walk. All of us need spiritual healing. Healing of our relationship with God. Healing of our relationship with one another. But most of all, that relationship with God to be put right. You may have come here this morning and you've got all kinds of things on your mind. You may be concerned about your job. You may be concerned about your health. You may be concerned about your family. And there'll be an opportunity later on for us to receive prayer, for you to receive prayer. And you may think, if only I could get my health back, if only I could get that new job, everything would be fine. But if you haven't had your heart dealt with, you're not fine. And Jesus will heal, in that sense, anyone who comes to him. You, whoever you are, can experience forgiveness. Jesus said, so that you might know that the Son of Man, which is a phrase he often used for himself, the Son of Man has authority on earth here and now to forgive sins. Get up and walk. Does God heal today? Yes. He heals people spiritually. He changes people's lives. And it makes a difference. A young guy came to me one day and uh, he'd uh, recently become a Christian. And he said to me, Graham, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And he said, I want to tell you something I've never told anybody else. But before I became a Christian, I was into drugs, I was into women, I was into gambling. I got into huge amounts of debt. And because I moved around an awful lot, eventually people stopped chasing me because they didn't know where I was. But he said, I don't know what's going on in my life, but as you know, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And I used to think I was really clever because I'd got all this debt that I owed the credit card companies and so on. And they didn't know where I was. But he said, you know, something's been going on inside of me and I realize I need to do something about it. So I'm not asking you what I should do. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to write to all the people I owe money, all those companies and say, here I am. What was going on? He'd experienced that spiritual healing of forgiveness. He'd come into a relationship with God and it had changed his life. And that's available for anyone. But what about physical healing? Jesus healed people physically. So here's the thing about physical healing. Sometimes God heals through what we might call the normal channels. You know, you go to the doctor, the doctor gives you a pill and you get better. Or you go and have some surgery and the surgeons are really skilled and the anesthetist does their job well and it's successful. All healing is God's healing. He works through people. Down over the centuries, he's been at work through men and women who've discovered all kinds of things about how the body works, how disease works, about surgical procedures that we can use that will make people better. 
But God has been involved in all of that. And in fact, it's interesting that many of the people who've been involved in medicine over the years have been Christians because they cared about people. The early Christians in the Roman Empire in those first centuries, sometimes when there was a plague in Rome, those who had money would leave because they didn't want to be ill. And the people who didn't have money got left behind and the people who were sick got left behind. So it was the poor and the sick who stayed behind. And so often the Christians... And they would look after not just their own families, but they would look after their pagan neighbors as well. And on one occasion, the emperor wrote a letter and he said, this is really bad, isn't it? Our people run away and the Christians we despise stay. Sometimes, sometimes God heals through just ordinary ways. When our first daughter was born, we were so excited. We didn't know what we were doing. We had this little lump of joy. And I don't know if you've been a a new parent, you were perhaps better prepared than Katrina and I were, but we didn't quite know what to do with this bundle. Well, I didn't anyway. And, uh, but very quickly we learned that there was something seriously wrong with her and they couldn't work out what was wrong and she couldn't keep anything down. And so they took her into a special unit. And so I would go to visit day after day. Katrina was still in hospital initially. And then both of us would go and visit and here's this little girl and she's got tubes coming out and they couldn't work out what was wrong. And we were praying and the church I was part of were praying. And then eventually they worked out what it was and she had an operation and they put it right. God heals through ordinary means, if I can put it like that. So take the pill from your doctor, do what they say, Send them a thank you and thank God as well. All healing is God's healing. So sometimes God heals through ordinary means. But sometimes he he heals in an extraordinary way. People are prayed for and in a remarkable way they get better. And there are stories all across the world, all across time, where God has stepped in, if you like, into people's lives and brought healing that wasn't expected. Sometimes God heals in ordinary ways. Sometimes he heals in extraordinary ways. And sometimes he says, not yet. Not yet. About a couple of years before we left the UK, there was a young couple who were expecting a baby and they knew that there were some problems with the baby that the mother was carrying. And they knew that this little baby would need an operation when she was born. And so she had the operation and things were going really, really well. And then late one night I had a phone call and things had taken a turn for the worst. And so I went to the hospital and talked to the parents and then we prayed together and then I went into the unit with them and there was that tiny days old bundle barely clinging to life and there were wires all over the place and tubes and monitors. And the doctors had said, we want to transfer this baby to another hospital. There's one last procedure we'd like to try. We don't think it will work, but we want to try. And so I prayed with this young couple and prayed for this little baby. I I can't remember exactly what I prayed, but I know that I prayed. 
that God would somehow amazingly heal that baby. Eventually I left and parents went off with the baby to the hospital on the other side of London. And not long afterwards I got a phone call to say that this little girl had died. At the end what had happened is the the doctor said we can't do anything else and so they took all the tubes out and they handed this baby to this mother and her father and they said to, to me that was such a special time because we were able to hold this little child and then she died. And when we had the service in church, church was packed And this young couple had chosen a song that we were singing as a church quite a lot and it involves a quotation from the Old Testament from the book of Job which says, the Lord gives, he gives life, he gives love, he gives all kinds of things. And then the next line is the Lord takes away. Not not that God had, if you like, deliberately caused this, but that sense of, God is involved in everything and somehow, even though we can't understand what he's doing, nevertheless, God is in this. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, and therefore, the next line, blessed be the name of the Lord. We'll praise him, even if it's through tears, even if we don't understand why there wasn't healing. And we sang that song. I don't think there was a dry eye in the church. But I remember looking at this young couple and I remember particularly for the wife the tears streaming down her face and yet there was a sense of radiance, of joy because she knew it was a not yet You see, Jesus has conquered sin and death and suffering. And one day, there will be healing. We live, if you like, between two worlds. The new era has begun and one day it will come in all its fullness. And the last book of the Bible says, there's a day coming when God will wipe away all tears, all suffering. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. So sometimes when we ask for healing, we don't get a yes, we get a not yet. Does God heal today? Yes. And maybe for some of you here this morning, there are all kinds of things going on in your life, but actually the most important thing is that you experience that healing that comes through the forgiveness that Jesus makes possible to have your relationship with God put right. For some of you, it may be that there are issues in terms of your own life that need to be dealt with. There's a need for emotional healing. There are so many broken relationships around, so much heartbreak. Somebody said to me recently, you run a marriage course and 
You run Alpha and you run parenting courses. Do you run any divorce courses? And that just hit me. I was listening to somebody. I couldn't help but hear somebody on the train the other day on the phone. And clearly a relationship with his wife or his partner had broken down and he was talking to somebody about arrangements for housing and he said, I really don't want to pay that much money, but she's been the wife of my son and she's been good to me and to my son. There is so much heartbreak around, so much guilt that people have. And maybe this morning you need to ask God to bring some healing to the brokenness inside you. For some of you, it may be that you need a new power in your life to live for Jesus because you've wandered away or you've lost your love for Jesus and you need that love renewed and the Holy Spirit has been poured out so that we can experience God's love as well as his forgiveness. We can experience God's power to live this new life. And for some of you, it may be that you want to ask for physical healing for yourself. You want to ask that God will do something in your life. What we're going to do is to move to a time of prayer. And in a moment, I'm going to ask uh, the prayer team to come up. They'll be available at the front and, and then at the back. And you may want to make use of the prayer team. I, I would encourage you to do that you know, one of the things about going to somebody else and asking them to pray for you, it's a reminder to us, I can't do this. We're so proud, aren't we? We don't like asking for help. And yet, when it comes to the need for forgiveness, when it comes to the need for us, for God to do something in our life, we can't do that. So coming to somebody and asking, please would you pray for me? is a sign, I can't do this, I need help. So please do make use of the prayer team. Or you could stay sitting where you are and perhaps pray quietly. Or maybe if there's somebody next to you who you know, you could say, please could you pray for me? Or if you're sitting next to somebody and you feel comfortable about doing this, say, could I pray for you? And whatever it is that you need to ask, ask. God is a God who loves us. He cares about us. The Holy Spirit is present here this morning. He's been poured out. This is for everyone. It's not for special people. And so here's an opportunity to pray, to talk to God. If you just want to sit there quietly and look at the carpet, that's fine as well. And then gradually, when you're, you're free to go, whenever there's tea and coffee that's going to be served through there. So just when you've finished, just make your way through there to have tea and coffee. And there you can have your conversations about carpets and chairs and all that kind of stuff. But while we're in here, Let's make this a place where we pray. So I'm going to ask if the prayer team would come out and...
So there's a place at the back. Some of us will be going around as well. And if you want one of us to pray for you. So some of the Alpha team leaders, for example. And just indicate. As I say, you can pray quietly on your own. Or make use of the team. Or ask somebody to pray for you. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to go into a time of prayer. And then whenever you feel you'd like to go, just leave and have morning tea. Let's pray. Father, in this moment of quiet, we acknowledge that you're here. We can't see you. But you are. Your Holy Spirit is here. But Father, we thank you that you know our hearts. You know the aches that some of us have deep inside. You know that for some of us, we've never really come to you. We've never really given our hearts to you. You know that. And you long for us to respond to you and to your love and to experience your love. Some of us are coming with deep burdens and we want to bring them to you and ask you to work. Some of us are feeling broken because of our own lives, because of our relationships, perhaps relationships within our family. We ache because of what's going on. Father, we need your healing for us because we feel so broken. Some of us need your power and your love and need to be filled by your Spirit. And so, come Holy Spirit. Spirit.